Thank you for joining us for this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Everything's just the same but different, right? Just the same but different. Thank you for your patience this morning. We are, we're all doing something that uh, in many ways seems so familiar, but at the same time can seem so foreign and so different. And so I thank you for your patience uh, as, we, as we weather this moment together. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. As we enter into a series of lessons over the next several weeks um, called My Favorites. And what we're going to be doing is um, several of you have shared with me your favorite parables of Jesus. And we're going to go through over the next couple of months. And those are going to be the sermon topics that we that we uh, spend time with together. Today, we're going to uh, go to actually one of my favorite chapters in Scripture, uh, Luke chapter 15, and, and spend some time with the first two parables of, of this particular lesson, Luke chapter 15. So let, let's, let's just begin and let's break some things down together. He starts in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So as we get into our lesson, I, I want to ask this question first. Who is Jesus talking to? Who is Jesus talking to in this particular passage? Well, he starts out in the very first verse, and he says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathered to him. And then you go a little bit further, and he says, And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there as well. So there's a very diverse group of people that are surrounding Jesus. There are what many people would say, the saved of Israel and the unsaved of Israel, the tax collectors and sinners, those who didn't have a place with God. And then the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those who were righteous beyond anything that you could imagine. So as we think about the Pharisees and the scribes, or the Pharisees and the teachers, I want you to understand that these would have been the churchgoers in the day of Jesus. These would have been the preachers in the day of Jesus. These would have been the, the people that were expected to know who Christ was when he showed up. And I think it's important for us in our own life to make sure that we don't end up like the Pharisees and the scribes, being the people that being the people that should be showing the great love of Jesus, being the people that should be showing the great forgiveness of Jesus, but instead we stand back and we're nothing but judgmental. We need to be careful that we don't fall into that habit in our life. The next group we mentioned, of course, is the tax collectors and the sinners. Now, although Jesus didn't join in with the things that they did, he, would, he was very upfront in his ministry that he came to seek and save that which was lost. And so he spent a lot of time with this particular group of people because they had been disenfranchised in many ways. They had been, they had been shut out of the process. They were not as righteous as the, as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. So they didn't want to have a lot to do with them. But Jesus comes and he says, I've come to spend time with you. Now, one of the most interesting verses in the entire, in the entire passage I find in verse 2 as the Pharisees and the teachers muttered probably under their voice, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. What they used as the greatest accusation against Jesus 
actually turned out to be the greatest compliment they could give him, right? If you were with us Wednesday night on our uh, Wednesday night um, Wednesday night live, I talked about what defines us. I talked about what defines us, that we are not defined by our sins if we're children of God. We are Christians, and we need to be real careful when we go, oh yeah, I'm a sinner, because sin should not define who we are. But in my own nature, by myself, without Christ, I will always choose a life of sin. That's just how we are. We will choose what makes us happy over what makes us righteous without the motivation and the Spirit of Christ. And so, as I read this verse, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I think, how great. Because this verse proves that I have a chance, that Jesus wants to spend time with me, even when I'm imperfect, even when I'm struggling, even when, when I'm falling flat on my face. Who does Jesus want to spend time with? He wants to spend time with me, despite the sin in my life. So their greatest you know, teardown of Jesus is actually the greatest compliment they could have given him. And I love that so much. But we get to our question. What is it that makes heaven happy? What is it that makes heaven happy? You know, we ask that type of question in a lot of different, a lot of different ways in our life. Um, you know, a, a famous kind of quote, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So what do we have to make sure? Who do we have to make sure is happy above everything else? Mama, how do you make mama happy? You know, that's going to be answered different for everybody. You know, I've got, a, I've got a slew of kids back here, and I'm always trying to figure out how to keep them happy so that I will have a good day, you know, for no other reason. But I, don't, I, wonder, I wonder in our lives, do we think about this question very often? Do we think about the question, what makes heaven happy? And so we're going to look at these parables, and we're going to talk about these things together this morning. The first thing I want us to talk about is the lost lamb and the fact that God loves you as an individual. God loves you as an individual. So the first thing I want us to think about for a few moments this morning is the saddest experience in life is to be lost. The saddest experience in life is to be lost. How many of you have ever been lost before? Not spiritually, physically lost. Physically lost. Was it scary? If it was scary, raise your hand. Okay, so I'm going to tell you my lost story. We were in Bucharest, Romania, which is the start of any great story being lost, right? In a foreign country where no one speaks, where people speak very little English, okay? So we had gone, we were on a mission trip. We were, um, we were in this city. Bucharest is about the size of Chicago. And so we're in this city, and we had found a Kentucky Fried Chicken. We had found a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now listen, the ladies of the church there in Bucharest, they fed us very well that week. But the soup that started out as, as chicken soup at the beginning of the week turned into water and bones by the end of the week. They just fill it up with water, put a little bit of chicken broth in it, cook it a little bit longer, you know. And so we found out that there was a Kentucky Fried Chicken not far from the church building. And after our, our worship that night with the church, here go all the Americans to Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we're in there, and little did we realize that the subway shut down at 7 o'clock. So this is like 7.30, and we've missed the subway. We're, we get to the subway entrance. The subway entrance is closed. It's me, 
my buddy Jesse and one of our deacons from Savannah named Ray. Ray is a park ranger. He's a Boy Scout. Like he's the guy you want to be lost with in most situations, right? In most situations, not overseas. Because I look at in my backpack, I've got the address to where we're staying. And here was Matthew's idea. Let's get a taxi. How many of y'all think that sounds like a good idea? I thought it was a great idea. Ray, the man in charge of, no, let's follow the map of the subway. We'll get back to our, our apartment that way. He goes, let's walk. Terrible idea. We walked around this city for two hours in December, cold, scared, trying to get from subway stop to subway stop. We were lost. We get to a subway stop and Ray turns around after two hours and he goes, how about we just call a taxi? I'm like, I think that's a great idea. We were on the backside of our road. We had gotten that close. We were literally from the backside of our apartment building to the front side from where we are. And when we get in the car, the taxi driver, I go, do you speak English? He goes, yes. I go, here's our address. He goes, just walk around the corner. But I didn't know. I didn't know we were that close. We were lost for two hours in this city. It was a scary, scary thing. It was a, I mean, you know, I just, I still think about it and it still bothers me to this day. I mean, it was just a bad experience. But as bad as those type of experiences are, an even worse situation to be in in your life is to be lost spiritually. Is to be lost spiritually. And I think about the words of James. James, in James chapter 1, he talks about overcoming trials, overcoming challenges. But then he gets to the point, he says, look, if you're struggling with sin in your life, don't blame God for that. That's not God's fault. He says the sin in your life is your own problem. It's your own fault. It's things that you've created within you. And then as he gets to the end of chapter 1, he says that sin which causes you to be lost, the cost of being lost spiritually is death. It's death. And that's a sad experience. Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, he says, we all like sheep, uh, like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of, his all, of us all. You know, that, that's an interesting verse because it tells me that I have the ability, uh, a great ability by myself to follow my own passions and not the passions of Christ. And he, he compares us to sheep. Any of, you, any of you ever had sheep in your life? Any of you have sheep? Am I the only one? I had a, a sheep for a 4-H project. And uh, I figured something out. There were three Ds that I came up with for this sheep. He was dumb, defenseless, and directionless. And they're like, you need to train this sheep, okay? You got a better chance training your cat than your sheep, okay? Um, he wouldn't do anything that I wanted him to do. And then I think about that, and I think, you know, that's who God relates us to. We all, like sheep, have the ability to go astray. And, our, and in our story, we've got this sheep that was with everybody and was with every, you know, with the rest of the herd. And what does he do? He wanders off, he disappears, he is lost, and he is in a very sad place. But here's the encouraging part of this particular parable. Jesus searches for us in order to save us. Jesus searches for us in order to save us. The bad news is that without God, we are all lost. But the good news is Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. In this particular story, 
this guy, he leaves all the sheep. He beds them down. He leaves all the sheep. More than likely, more than likely, these aren't his sheep. More than likely, he is a shepherd by trade, and he's been hired out to watch somebody else's sheep. That may not be the case, but I want you to think about that in that kind of uh, way. If it's your own sheep and you lose 1%, is it that bad? Maybe not. If you lose somebody else's 1%, you're responsible for it, it's going to be on you, right? This guy knew that I have to leave the, the people that are doing okay, the people that are doing well, the sheep that are okay, and I've got to go find this sheep. Now, if we're not careful, guys, if we're not careful, we get in a habit in church of taking care of the 99 and forgetting the one. Think about that. If, uh, a lot of times we become maintainers of the tank instead of outright fishermen. We can't be that way. We can't be that way. If Jesus came to seek and save that, was, that which was lost, He told us that that's our job, that's our mission. What do we need to make sure that we're doing? We need to make sure that we are doing what this shepherd did, what Jesus did, going out and finding people who are lost, who are dying, who are separated from Christ, and bring them into a salvation-loving relationship because as awful as it is to be lost, we need to know that Jesus is here to search for each and every one of us. If you feel lost this morning, if you feel disengaged, if you feel unimportant, I want you to know that you, you are the one that Jesus gave his life for. You're the one he cares about. You're the one that he wants to love. You're the one that's important to him this morning. If you don't feel important to anybody else, understand this morning, you are important to Jesus. Amen? Nobody agrees with that. Amen. There we go. I know it's been a while. You'll get back into the groove. Hey, listen, I look, I probably look strange to y'all up here. This room looks really weird to me right now. It's been really empty for a long time, okay? I'm, I'm glad we're back together. Let's, let's go to the next, the next idea. The lost coin. God has gone to extreme measures to rescue you. God has gone to extreme measures to rescue you. So in this particular story, I can relate with very, very, very well. All right, very well, very well. Um, how many of you lose things on a regular basis? Okay, how many of you lose the same things over and over? Man, we need a support group, y'all. Y'all are making me feel better this, this morning. So, as you all probably know, over the last month and a half or so, as we've been in this quarantine stuff, we have bought a new house. First house we've ever bought together um, as a married couple. We're super excited about it. Um, I've got so much. My list of things to do will never end at this point, I now understand. Um, but that's okay. So, the day we're supposed to go sign the papers, guess what I lost? I lost, is it in my pocket? I lost my wallet. You know what's in my wallet? My driver's license. You know what you have to have to sign the papers to close on a house? Your driver's license. I didn't lose it as much as my little girl ran off with it. But the story of my life is I lose things all the time. My wallet and my keys, lose them all the time. Matter of fact, I told this story in Kingston probably five years ago. Somebody brought me, uh, bought me a tile square. You know what those are? You put them on your keys. That way you don't lose them. You have an app on your phone. You hit it. Your keys make dinging noises. Um, now, if you lose your phone and your keys, then you're just out of luck. How frustrating is it to lose something? 
How frustrating is it? It's very frustrating. I mean, it's the most frustrating I ever am in any given moment is when I've lost something. And then where do you usually find it? This is what I do. I've put it somewhere so I won't lose it. That's exactly where it is. And I remember that when I find it. In this particular story, this lady has lost a coin. It is so important to her for whatever reason. There's a lot of speculation as to why. I don't know why, but it is so busy or so important to her that she does that. what we do a lot of times. She tears her house upside down looking for it to the point that she, that she cleans her house almost like it's like she tears it up and then cleans it up. But as you look at this particular story, I love what it says in verse 8. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully? The first thing I want you to understand this morning is that Jesus lives to give you light. Jesus lives to give you light. There's an old preacher joke that I heard years ago that I really, it's not necessarily a good joke, it's a preacher joke, so you have to laugh, right? There was a man who was standing under a light looking for something. A police officer stopped and said, sir, what have you lost? He said, I've lost some money. He said, can I help you look? He said, yeah, go ahead. So they're looking under this light and they couldn't find anything. And he looks at him and goes, sir, where exactly did you lose the money? He goes, oh, I lost it about two blocks back, but the light's here, so this is where I can look. How important is light? Light is very important. Light is very important. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I read a quote one time about ministry that I love so much. It said, as a minister, your job is not to run around and shine a flashlight in everybody's life looking for sin. Rather, it is to stand tall like a lighthouse, guiding them in the direction of Christ. Lighthouses are very important because they shine great light. There is a connection between light and truth throughout all Scripture. And I want you to know this morning that if you are walking in darkness, if you are walking in sin, Jesus says, I'm here to give you light. I'm here to make sense of things. See, when you walk in darkness, it doesn't matter how well you know your house. If the power goes out at midnight and you get up out of your bed without any lights on, what are you going to trip over? Something, right? There's going to be something in that floor that you forgot was there and you're going to trip over it. Light brings clarity. And when you walk in darkness, when you walk in sin, you have no clarity in your life. Satan likes for you to think you do, but you don't. And so Jesus says, I've come so that you may have light. But then another image that I love so much is Jesus died to sweep the dirt out of your life. He died to sweep the dirt out of your life. Look at 1 John 1 verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Not some sin, not the big sins, not the bad sins. From all sins. I just love that image. That Jesus comes into my life to clean it up. To clean it out. To get rid of all the junk. To get rid of all the clutter. To get rid of everything that doesn't make sense. So that I can walk in a path that puts me in His light. And not only does it put me in His light with fellowship with Him, when we're all walking in that light, we have this great spiritual fellowship with each other. That's just an amazing, an amazing, amazing idea. So what's the overall thought here? The joys of salvation is the overall thought. Heaven rejoices over every changed life. That's what makes heaven happy. Heaven is happy 
over every changed life. We have a jubilant shepherd who calls his friends and said, I found my lost sheep. Come and celebrate with me. We have a woman who's lost something, lost this coin, and when she finds it, she calls her friends to come celebrate. If you fast forward into the end of chapter 15, the lost son, the dad, after his son comes home, he said, let's kill the fatted calf. He puts a ring on his finger. He puts a robe on him. He puts shoes on him. He says, let's have a party. Let's celebrate. I'm happy. I love the quote from the book, Just Like Jesus. He says, let one child consent to being dressed in righteousness and begin the journey home. And heaven pours the punch, strings the streamers, and throws the confetti. When a soul is saved, the heart of Jesus becomes the night sky on the 4th of July, radiant with explosions of cheers. What makes heaven happy? Us living in a direction, in a positive direction that we're supposed to live in. And even more so, when we realize we're living in a different way, we make the decision to come home. So here's some thoughts as we close. The happiest experience of life is to be rescued by God. 1 Peter 1, verses 8-9, through 9, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you have not seen Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Let me ask you this morning, do you have a sense of inexpressible and glorious joy? Let me ask you this way. Let me ask you this way, because that's... How many of you are happier to have been here than you've been in a long time? How many of you couldn't wait to get here this morning? How many of you have looked forward to this? Oh, I've been getting messages for two weeks. When are we going back to church? What really threw everybody off is last month had a fifth Sunday in it, and everybody was ready on the fifth Sunday to come back because we've had four Sundays in the month. And, we just, no. and I'm like, no, I'm sorry, there's a fifth Sunday. We've got more, one more week to go. And people are like, like, you just see the joy just. Why are you not always this joyful? Why are you not always this excited to be with the family of God? You know, it's funny when things that we take for granted get taken away. When we get to come back together, it just becomes that more important. But you see, we should always be this joyful because the happiest experience of our life should be to be rescued by God. And when we think about that, when we're reminded about that, we should reclaim that joy. We should experience that happiness all over again. But then the next thing I want you to think about, and I left it out on my slides. That's okay. We should celebrate what heaven celebrates. We should celebrate what heaven celebrates. What gets you excited in life? What gets you excited in life? What makes you the happiest? What gets you just, just to the point that you couldn't wipe the smile off your face? When we found out we were having a baby girl for the first child, didn't know we'd have two more, but when we were having the first one, when they told us you're having a baby girl, Blair smiled for three and a half weeks. Maybe not that long. It may have been longer. But she was so happy. She was going to have a baby girl. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be broke. But we celebrated together. She was happy, so I was happy. When we have brothers and sisters in Christ who come home, who come back, we should celebrate. See, if we're not careful, we become like the big brother 
in the end of Luke 15, and we think, I've been here the whole time. That's what the Pharisees were. I've been here the whole time. Why are you, why are you giving this attention to all these, these sinners? If you're really the Son of God, you'll be up here with the righteous people. The brother goes, hey, I've been here the whole time. You've not done anything for me. If we're not careful, we get that attitude. We should celebrate what heaven celebrates. This morning, we have something to celebrate, and I'll share with you before services start. Jimmy Dye grabs me. He goes, I want to talk to you for a moment. Jimmy's had a lot on his heart over the last few months. He told me he said he couldn't wait to get back to church this morning so that he could share some of his struggles. But he's got things that he's struggling with, things that have kept him from being in the relationship with God that he should be in. And he says, I just want to repent of those things. Can we say amen to that this morning? He says, I want to repent of those things this morning, and I want to make sure that I'm living the best life I can in the presence of God and with God. This morning, we celebrate with Jimmy because God's already celebrating. What Jimmy said in private to me this morning to share with you made heaven happy. And I hope and I, I, and I know that that should make us just as happy this morning. He said, I know we're not allowed to hug this morning, so I'll just tell you instead of coming forward. But I'm going to tell you what. If you accidentally hug him, I won't tell anybody. Okay? If you want to social distance hug him, give him. Let that brother feel loved this morning. Because it makes heaven happy that he bore his heart. I don't know about you. I'm beyond happy this morning. I'm so happy to see your face. To hear your voices sing. Even though it was a little off, a little different, God never said it had to sound good. He said it had to be joyful. And being in this room makes me joyful this morning. And as we bring our time to a close, I ask you this question. Are you living a life that makes heaven happy? Are you rejoicing in what heaven rejoices in? Are you, are you going out and searching for the lost? Or, or, or are you lost? Do you need... Do you need to find Jesus? Do you need to realize that he's looking and searching for you and come to him and say, hey, here I am. Do with me as you will. I know we've been, we've been apart for a long time, and sometimes while we're apart, our fires can fade. I challenge you to reignite your fire this morning, to celebrate what heaven celebrates, and let's do everything we can to make heaven happy. Let's go to God in prayer as we close our time together. God, I thank you for the opportunity we've had to just be in your presence and just be with one another this morning. I thank you for this passage of Luke chapter 15, a passage that we're so familiar with, God, that we, that we know backwards and forwards if we've been in church uh, for the majority of our life, God. But I pray that we've brought some newness to it this morning. I pray that we've brought it to life a little bit and that we are encouraged by it. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, for his willingness to die for us, to seek us, and to want to save us. And I pray this morning, God, for anybody that needs to return to you or, or be saved through the waters of baptism this morning, that you will grant them that opportunity, convict them, God, to make those changes in their life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his church. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If there's anything you need this morning, come as we stand and as we sing. If this program has been beneficial to you, 
please consider subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 930 and Wednesday evenings at 630. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.